Welcome back to my podcast. Today we're doing the part two, I guess, to the reading first chapter of one of my favorite books. This one is definitely um, for younger audiences. Uh, I first read this two years ago. So I read this first book. Um, I reread this first book in March, so a little while ago. But I think it still holds up pretty well. Um, and this one, this first chapter is probably taking me 15 minutes, so nowhere near as long as the last. One, Brigand. Given a choice, Connor would not have picked to spend the most important birthday of his life helping Devin Trunswick get dressed. In all honesty, he would not have volunteered to help Devin Trunswick to do anything ever. But Devon was the eldest son of Eric, the Earl of Trunswick, and Connor was the third son of Fenray, herder of sheep. Fenray had incurred debts to the Earl, and Connor was helping to work them off as a servant to Devon. The arrangement had begun over a year ago and was set to last at least two more. Connor had to hook each fiddly clasp on the back of Devon's coat correctly or the folds would hang crooked and he would hear about it for weeks. The fine material was more decorative than practical. If caught in the storm, Connor knew that Devon would wish for a simpler, more durable coat. One without claps, one with, that might actually keep him warm. Are you done fussing back there? Devon asked in exasperation. Sorry for the delay, my lord, Connor replied. There's forty-eight clasps. I'm just now linking the 40th. How many more days will this take? I'm about to die from old age. Are you just inventing numbers? Connor resisted a sharp reply. Having grown up counting sheep, he probably knew his numbers better than Devon. But arguing with the noble caused more trouble than it was worth. Sometimes Devon seemed to deliberately tempt him. It's my best guess. The door flew open and Dawson, Devon's younger brother, burst into the room. Are you still getting dressed, Devon? Don't blame me, Devon protested. Connor keeps me napping. Connor only gave Dawson a brief glance. The sooner he finished the class, the sooner he would get himself ready. How could you, Connor, fall asleep? Dawson called, giggling. Everything you saw, brother, is so interesting. Connor resisted a grin. Dawson seldom stopped talking. He often got annoying, but he could sometimes be pretty funny. I'm awake. Aren't you done yet? Devon complained. How many are left? Connor wanted to say twenty. Five. Think you'll summon a spirit animal, Devon? Dawson asked. I don't see why not, Devon replied. Grandfather called a mongoose. Father produced a lynx. Today was the Trunswick Nectar Ceremony. In less than an hour, the local children who turned eleven this month would each try to call a spirit animal. Connor knew that some families tended to form bestial bonds more regularly than others. Even so, calling a spirit animal was never guaranteed, no matter what your family name. There were only three kids scheduled to drink the nectar and the odds were against any of them succeeding. It was certainly nothing to boast about before it happened. 
What animal do you think you'll get? Dawson wondered. Your guess is as good as mine, Devin said. What do you expect? A chipmunk, Dawson predicted. Devin lunged at his brother, who scampered away giggling. Dawson was not dressed as formally as his brother, which allowed him freer movement. Still, Devin soon caught him and tackled him to the floor, pinning him down. A bear would be more likely, Devin said, grinding his elbow into his brother's chest, or a wild cat like father. First thing I'll do is have it taste you. Connor tried to wait patiently. It wasn't his place to intervene. You might get nothing, Dawson said bravely. Then all I'll be is Earl of Trunswick and your master. Not if father outlives you. It mind, I'd mind my tongue, second son. I'm glad I'm not you. Devin twisted Dawson's nose until he yelped, then stood up, brushing off his trousers. At least my nose isn't sore. <laughs> Connor, Connor, will you drink the nectar too? Dawson cried. Maybe you'll be the one to call a spirit animal. Connor tried to look invisible. Do you hope to summon a spirit animal? Of course. Who wouldn't? You couldn't help hoping, just because nobody in his family had done it since some obscure great grandulence decades ago didn't make it impossible. Right, Devin chuckled, and I suppose the smith's daughter will summon one as well. You never know, Dawson said, sitting up and rubbing his nose. Connor, what would you like to have? Connor stared at the floor. He had been asked a direct question by a noble, so he had to answer. I've always gotten on well with dogs. I'd like a sheepdog, I guess. What an imagination, Devin laughed. A sheepherder dreams of calling a sheepdog. <laughs> a dog would be fun, Dawson said. And common, Devin said. How many dogs do you have, Connor? My family? Ten, last I counted. How long since you've seen your family? Dawson asked. Connor tried to keep his voice even. More than half a year. They'll be there today? I expect they'll try. It depends on whether they can get away. In case they couldn't make it, he didn't want to show that he cared. How novel for you, Devon sniffed. How many class remain? Three. Devon turned around. Let's not dawdle. We're running late. An impressive assemblage had gathered in the square. It was not every day that the son of a great lord quested for his spirit animal. Commoners and nobles alike had come for the event, old, young, and in between. Musicians played, soldiers strutted, and a peddler sold candied nuts. A grandstand had been erected for the earl and his family. Connor thought it looked as if the holiday had been declared. A holiday for everyone but him. The day was cool and clear. The green hills where Connor would rather be roaming looked far beyond the blue rooftops and chimneys of Trunswick. Connor had attended a few nectar ceremonies. He had never witnessed the calling of a spirit animal, although he knew it had happened several times in the square during his lifetime. There had been little pageantry at the ceremonies he had seen. None had been well attended, and none had involved so many animals. A common belief that held that bringing together a variety of animals increased the chance of summoning a spirit animal. If so, Devon might be in luck. Not only were there 
many domestic animals present, but Connor saw a muse full of birds with a exotic plumage, a coral-contained deer and moose, several caged wild cats, a pen tree of badgers, and a black bear chained to a post by an iron collar. There was even a beast that Connor had only heard about in the stories. A huge camel with two furry humps. As Connor walked toward the center of the square, the hordes on of onlookers made him self-conscious. He wasn't sure what to do with his hands. Should he fold his arms, or let them dangle at his sides? As he scanned the intimidating crowd, he tried to remember that most eyes were fixed on Devin. Suddenly, Connor noticed his mother waving. His elder brother stood beside her and his father. That he even brought soldier, Connor's favorite sheepdog. They had all made it. The sight of them thawed his some of his fears and awoke a longing for home. Meadows to wander, creeks to swim in, groves to explore. His work had been honest and outdoors, chopping wood, sharing sheep, sh feeding dogs. Their home had been small but cozy, and nothing like the drafty immensity of the Earl's castle. Connor gave his mother a little wave. The future of the future Earl of Trentwick led the way to a bench near the center of the square. Abby, the smith's daughter, waited them, sitting still and looking overwhelmed. She was clearly dressed in her best clothes, which were laughably inferior to even the most casual dress owned by Devon's mother or sister. Connor knew he must also look very plain beside Devon. A pair of green cloaks stood before the bench. Connor recognized a woman, Izilla, her graying hair gathered up in a glittering net over her pale face. Her goldfinch, Frida, was perched on her shoulders. Azila normally officiated at the nectar ceremonies. She had given the nectar to both of her, his brothers. The other green cloaks was a stranger, tall and lean, with wide shoulders and feature as weathered as his cloak. His skin was darker than the people around him, as if he came from the northeastern Nilo, or southwestern Zhang, an unusual sight in the middle of Yura. His animal was not evident, but Connor noticed a hint of a tattoo winding away into his sleeve. The sight gave him a thrill, and then the stranger's spirit animal was currently hibernating on his arm. Abby rose and curtsied as Devin approached the bench. He sat down and motioned for Connor to follow his lead. Connor and Abby sat. Azila raised her hands to still the crowd. The stranger backed away, leaving her the center of attention. Connor wondered why the man had come. As with the rest of the pageantry, Connor decided it must be another nod to Devin's high status. Azila began in penetrating voice. Hear ye, hear ye, good people of Trenswick. Before the eye of man and beast, we are gathered here today to participate in the most sacred rite in all of Eridos. When human and animal unite, their greatness is multiplied. We have come to witness whether the nectar will reveal such greatness in any of these three candidates. Lord Devon Transwick, Abby, daughter of Grawl, and Connor, son of Fenray. The cheering after the mention of Devon all but drowned out the other two names. Connor tried to remain impassive. If he had sat still and kept calm, soon it would be over. 
Devon would drink the nectar first in the place of honor. Common belief held that the first drink of the nectar in a ceremony was most likely to call a spirit animal. As Yila bent over to raise a plunge flask, the leather wood tooled with intricate designs. After raising the flask above her head to display it to the assemblage, she unstopped it. Devon Transwick, come forward. The crowd whistled and clapped as Devon approached. Azila then quieted down as she put her fingers to his, her lips. Devon knelt before her, a sight Connor had seldom seen. Yoran nobles only knelt to greater Yoran nobles. The green cloaks knelt to no one. Receive the nectar of Ninani. Connor could not help but feel excited as a flask tipped toward Devon's lips. This might be the first time he witnessed a spirit animal summoned from the unknown. With all of these animals present, how could the nectar fail? Connor wondered what the best would look like. Devon swallowed. Azila stepped back. A deep hush fell over the square. Eyes closed. Devon tilted his face skyward. An empty moment passed. Somebody coughed. Nothing out of the ordinary was happening. Perplexed, Devon looked around. Connor heard that a spirit animal either came right after the nectar was tasted, or never. Devon arose and turned in a full circle, eyes roving. There was no sign of anything appearing nearby. The crowd began to murmur. Azila hesitated, considering the grand stack. Connor followed her gaze. The earl sat grimly on his throne, his lynx nearby. Although he had summoned a spirit animal, he had chosen not to wear the green cloak. Azila glanced back and forward, back at the foreign green cloak, who gave a faint nod. Thank you, Devin, she intoned. Abby, daughter of Growl, come forward. Devin looked queasy. His eyes were blank, but his posture betrayed his humiliation. He glanced furtively toward his father, then looked down. When he lifted his eyes again, his gaze had hardened. The shame turning into fury. Connor looked away. It would be best to avoid Devin's attention for a while. Abby drank, and as Connor expected, nothing happened. She returned to the bench. Connor, son of Fenray, come forward. Hearing his name called gave Connor a nervous thrill. If Devin had failed to call an animal, Connor doubted he had any chance. Still, anything could happen. Never had so many eyes been trained just on him. Rising to his feet, Connor tried to ignore the crowd by focusing on Izila. The tactic didn't really work. If nothing else, it would be interesting to discover what the nectar tasted like. His older brother had compared it to the sour goat's milk, but Wallace liked to tease. His other brother, Garin, had likened it to likened it to apple cider. Connor licked his lips. Whatever the taste, sampling the nectar would officially mark the end of his childhood. Connor knelt before Izila. She looked down at him with a strange smile, curiosity lurking behind her eyes. Had she stared at the others this way? Receive the nectar of Ninani. Connor put his lips to the offered flask. The nectar was thick like syrup and richly sweet like fruit and honey. The consistency became more liquid once it was in his mouth. He swallowed. It tasted amazing, better than anything he had ever tried. 
Azila withdrew the flask before he could steal another sip. One swallow was all he would ever sample. Connor stood in order to return to the bench, and a burning, tingling sensation spread through his chest. Animals began to cry out. The birds shrilled. The wild cats yowled. The bear roared. The moose trumpeted. The camel snorted and stomped. The ground began to tremble. The sky darkened as if a swift cloud had overtaken the sun. A brilliant flash pierced the gloom like lightning, but much nearer than any lightning Connor had experienced. Nearer even than the time he saw a tree struck the crest of a hill he was climbing. Onlookers gasped and murmured. Dazzled by the flash, Connor blinked repeatedly to restore his vision. Hot tingles spread from his chest along his limbs, despite the oddness of the moment. He felt irrationally joyful, and he then he saw the wolf. Much like any sheep herder in the region, Connor had experienced with wolves. Wolf Axe had stolen many sheeps under his care. Wolves had killed three of his favorite dogs over the years. Livestock lost to wolves was a big part of the reason his father had become indebted to the Earl. And of course, there was a night two years ago when Connor and his brothers had stood against a brazen pack that had tried to steal sheep out of their pen in the high pasture. Now the largest wolf he had ever seen before stood he held high. It was a remarkable creature, long-limbed, well-fed, with the most luxurious coat of gray-white fur Connor could have imagined. He took in a large paw, keen blue eyes, savage teeth, and striking cobalt blue eyes. Blue eyes? In the history of Erdos, only one wolf had such deep blue eyes. Connor glanced at the urine flag hanging from the Earl's grandstand. Brigan the wolf, patron beast of Yora, stood depicted upon a rich blue banner, eyes shrewd and piercing. The wolf padded forward calmly, stopping directly before Connor. It sat like a trained dog yielding to its master. Its head came well above Connor's waist, muscles tense. Connor resisted the impulse to leap away. Under other circumstances, he would have run from this animal or yelled at it. He would have thrown rocks or grabbed a stout step to defend himself. But this was no chance to encounter her in the wild. His whole body was tingling, almost vibrating, and hundreds of people were watching. This wolf had appeared out of nowhere. The wolf stared up, up at him with confidence. Though large and fierce, the animal seemed very much in control of itself. Connor was awed that a predator such as this would show him so much respect. Those blue eyes hinted at a greater understanding than any animal should possess. The wolf was waiting for something. Connor held out a trembling hand, and the wolf's warm pink tongue caressed his palm. The touch was electric, and the tingling in Connor's chest immediately ceased. For an instant, Connor felt courage and clarity and an alertness like he had never known. He smelled the wolf with enhanced senses and somehow knew it was male, and that it considered him an equal. Then the strange moment of an expanded perception passed. In spite of the abundant evidence, it was a look on Drevin's trundwich 
face that brought home to Connor what had transpired. Never had Connor been the focus of such naked rage and envy. He had summoned a spirit animal. Not just any spirit animal, a wolf. Nobody summoned wolves. Brigand the wolf had been one of the great beasts, and spirit animals were never the same species as the great beasts. Everyone knew that. It simply didn't happen. Yet it had. Undeniably, inexplicably, it had. A full-grown wolf was nuzzling Connor's palm. A wolf with deep blue eyes. The bewildering crowd kept silent. The Earl leaned forward attentively. Devon seized in Dawson's mouth, was spread in an astonished grin. The stranger in the green cloak approached and took Connor's hand. I am Tariq, the man said in a low voice. I came a long way to find you. Stay near me, and I will let no harm befall you. I won't press you to take our bows, only you're ready. But you need to hear me out. Much depends on you. Connor nodded numbly. It was all too much to digest. The foreign green cloak raised Connor's hand high and spoke in a powerful voice. Good people of Transwick, news of this day will echo across all of Erdos. In an hour of need, Brigan has returned. And so ends chapter one of Spirit Animals, book one, Wild Born. Now, if you enjoyed that one, um, then you should read that one maybe. I'd recommend my the previous one more, but for younger audiences, this one is really good. Uh, and it still is pretty good for anyone, in my opinion. So, that's all.